turning to 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. And I want you to get the verses at the end. Just turn to the end and uh, we'll just read these few verses and then we'll be coming back to them. Later on, we'll explain the context in a, uh, later on. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 17. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Now here's the verse we'll be concentrating on later on. For what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and our joy. And we know that the Lord will bless the reading of his precious word. Away above everything else that goes on in heaven, worship, praise, joy, rejoicing, will be the dominating theme of all. The very climate of Zion's celestial city is saturated and in celebration, adulation, jubilation, and adoration. The scriptures tell us that a great throng, 10,000 times 10,000, 10,000, singers, and their voices will be as mighty as the thunder and the sound of many waterfalls. At creation all the stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. On top of all the hosts and in number no man can number, singing and praising and raising the noise through water, the noise of many waterfalls and the sound of thunder. On top of that is the seraphims and the cherubims and the angels and the hosts of heaven all praising the Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a place of mighty praise. In Psalm 16, the psalmist tells us, in thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand are pleasures for evermore. Jesus, who created heaven and was in it and is back in it and preparing it for us, it was said for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross and despised the shame. And on it goes through scripture, Peter says it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. 
The disciples came to the Lord Jesus Christ one day and they were elated because they were able to cast out demons out of men and women. And the Lord says, Rejoice not because he can cast out demons, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. I wonder did you rejoice today in your prayer time that your name is written in heaven? What an awesome thing to know that we're heaven bound. Half past seven about last Sunday night there in that wee room at the back. There was rejoicing in the midst of the angels in heaven when a young girl swept her way to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord is building his church and many people are getting saved and, and there's such rejoicing going on in heaven even now every day. Now I want to give you a few reasons tonight why we will be ecstatic, excited, and elated in heaven. And I want you to get these into your mind and into your heart because we're not excited down here and we're not ecstatic down here and we're not rejoicing the way that we should down here because there are certain reasons for that. But there's coming a day when there will be no restrictions and there will be complete and utter liberty to praise the Lord in all his loveliness and all his glory. You see, heaven is not only a positive place, and it is, it is a place. It is a city and a land that's referred to as a land or a city or a country or a home. Just as much as Ireland is or Belfast is, there's a place. It's a place beyond the skies. It's not only a positive place, but it's a negative place. And this is what I want you to get concentrate on tonight. You say there's enough negativity down here, but... Uh, to be neg negative in heaven. Yes, there's 20 things in heaven that will be missing that are down here. 20 things in heaven that will be missing that are, that, that, that are down here. And those 20 things, and there's more, but I'm, going to, I'm only going to touch a couple of them tonight, but I want to interest you to get you reading and get you thinking about what keeps us back from praise. What is it that hinders the blessing? Why is it when we get to heaven, there'll be all this praise continually out through eternity, we shall be praising the Lord. There is something that prevents us. There are things that prevents us down here and suppresses us and restricts us and silences us from rejoicing and praising the Lord. There are the 20 no mores of Revelation. Now you can get your CD and you can note this down if you like. There are 20 no mores in Revelation 7, Revelation 20, and Revelation 21 and 22. If you look up those scriptures, you will see at least 20 things that shall be no more as we go to heaven. Now as we come down tonight towards this second crown, the crown of rejoicing that we're going to speak on at the close of the meeting, let me encourage you and let me provoke you and let me excite you to look forward to the day when these things that we have here every day and every hour shall be no more. And we'll really be able to sing, my shackles are gone, my spirit is free. I want to give a couple of them to you tonight and then I want you to look for the rest of them yourself. And you'll discover that uh, this wonderful teaching in this. The first one is this, it's in Revelation 20. You needn't turn to this. I don't want you to turn, just want you to give me your attention. The first main one atops the list is Revelation 20 and verse 10. 
It says that the devil that deceived the world will be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. There'll be no more devil and there'll be no more deception. The master deceiver, the deceived and the deceiver is his. He's the master deceiver. And what an awesome thing to think about just for a moment about that. Isn't it interesting that the first of the signs and the only one mentioned twice in the Lord Jesus Christ, all of it discourse about the signs of the times is deception. The deceiver. Let no man deceive you. And the Lord pumps that in coming near the end days. In these days in which you're in, there's a massive deception all over the place. And it's an awful deception. He says if it's possible, he'll, he'll deceive the very elect. And the elect of God are being deceived whole, oh, up and down the country today in so many different ways. He'll deceive the very elect. So there's a deception. The psalmist says his mouth is full of cursing and deceit. The devil has damned millions in hell, along with the Antichrist and the false prophet and the, the false apostles and deceitful workers that have been in every generation in our land, damning souls wholesale day after day, populating hell. The angels of light that uh, uh, come out and masquerade in darkness, who handles the word of God deceitfully, and damning souls galore across our land, ministers and people and pulpits who are damning souls with a false gospel and with another gospel. I tell you, the day is coming when judgment will come on them. The day is coming, my friend, when we will be in the glory, when there'll be no more sin, there'll be no more Satan, there'll be no more deception. Glory to God, we'll be free from it all, free from every bit of it. Those men that are damning souls today, and there's plenty of them, they're damning souls today, and they'll come and they'll say, Lord, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. He says, depart from me, for I never knew you. We prophesied and we cast out devils, and in thy name, done many wonderful works, and they'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. The word of God says that they're, with their good works and fair speeches to deceive the hearts of the simple. But they're going to join. You know, my friend, the Word of God tells us in that scripture that I've mentioned there in Revelation 20 that Satan and the beast and the Antichrist will be in the fire of brimstone and they'll be tormented day and night forever. So there'll be no more deception because there'll be no more devil. There'll be no more Satan. And glory to God, we'll be free from the powers of darkness and hell that haunt us and annoy us and trouble us and grieve us day after day. Glory to God. And the devil's enough trouble down here without him being in heaven. There's no more deception. Here's another one. There's no more sea. The sea speaks of two things. First of all, it speaks of the world. The world is like the troubled sea, casting up its mire and dirt. No more storms. The sea speaks of storms. No more storms. No more marriage storms. No more family storms. No more health storms. No more assembly churches storms. No more storms. The hymn writer could put it, when the storms of life are raging, tempest wild and sea or land, I will seek a place of refuge. In the hollow of his hand, hallelujah. In the hollow of, though he may send some affliction, twill but make me long for home. For in love but not in anger, all his chastening will come. The storms will be over. 
What a mighty thing that will be, the storms and the trials, man, that we're facing every day. And as the Lord's turn, return comes closer, the worse the storms, the storms raging today in all areas of the Christian fraternity, those who are standing up and seeking for God. But it also speaks of separation. The sea, there'll be no more sea, no more separation. Billions have went over the sea and never come back. Millions have went down into the sea and never come up. And the sea has caused much weeping and much tears. I was 10 years of age. It was an early December day in 1956 when my mother said to me and the rest of the family, the other two, I want you to come into the bedroom now and say goodbye to Jack. Jack was my brother. He was 18 years of age. And he headed off for Canada, away to the far end of Canada. I remember that day on the banks of the Loch Erne, and the, it was a stormy day. I can remember it well, so well. I often think about it. And we didn't say goodbye to Jack, 18 years of age, heading away from home. We tugged away off to school, two or three of us, and walked two miles and come back. And my mother was sitting in the chair and she was crying. And I couldn't understand why she was crying, but she was crying. And you would understand, Mother, why she was crying. And I remember the storm raging up Loch Erin that day. And I remember just as a boy standing there and thinking of me, and, uh, of my mother crying and wondering, I suppose, just where he was and how he was getting on for 25 years you never saw. And you see, the sea separates us. But, oh, praise God, there'll be no separation when we get to the glory. There'll be no more sea, there'll be no more tears, there'll be no more trials. There'll be no more more pain, no more suffering. That's what the, the no more say. If you study no more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more sea, no more night. No more tears. Oh, the tears. The tears that have been shed. The tears that have come from mothers and fathers and children. The tears, oh, I tell you, this old sinful, cursed world is not our home, and I am glad we're only passing through, and I'm glad I'm saved tonight, and I'm glad I'm going to heaven tonight, for there's nothing but troubles and trials and sickness and death and cancer and evil and wickedness. Hallelujah to be saved. Glory to God to be saved. It's a mighty thing. No more tears. You know, the ancient graves in the East... Uh, dug up some ancient graves in the east some time ago and they found bottles wrapped in linen with tears in them. They gathered the tears of the people and they wrapped them up with them and put them into the tomb with them. And uh, that's where the word of God tells us, uh, got it probably from the word of God, that, that he'd put our tears in a bottle. A bag for our sins and a book for our name and a bottle for our tears. And there's some of you in this meeting tonight and you've wept many a tear. And some listening to me tonight and you've probably wept more. But the Lord has caught every tear in the bottle. And he knows your sorrow and he knows your trouble and he knows your heartache. He knows there'll be no more pain and no more night and no more fear and no more time. The time shall be no more. We'll not have to bother about putting clocks on or back or up or anything. No more time. Time shall be no more. We shall be ever with the Lord in one condition of praise and thanksgiving, adulation and adoration throughout the ages of eternity. Can you imagine it? Some of you boys that couldn't open your mouth and say amen down here, say it up there. 
Amen. Amen. No more no more night. Why will there be no more night? The word of God tells me the Lamb shall be the light thereof. There'll be no more darkness. There'll be no more fear. There'll be no more children crying at night because of the darkness or fear. Glory to God. We're going home to glory soon. To this mighty city that God and land he has prepared. No more cursing, no more hunger, no more sin, no more condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. The former things have passed away. Oh, can you imagine, my friend, tonight what it's going to be like when sin is gone and the devil's gone and death is gone and pain is gone and the curse is gone? Can you imagine what it'll be like when we're free from all that in one adder, one volume of praise and thanksgiving and glory to the Lord God all through the countless ages? That shall be glory, shall be glory for me. Now, get your eyes on this verse, First Thessalonians chapter 2. And we'll tie this whole thing up now because I wanted to get you warmed up. I want to get you in anticipation and looking forward. You know, we, we preach little about heaven and we know little about heaven. The Bible doesn't tell us a big lot, but what it does, we should know about it. But here we have in this uh, First Thessalonians chapter 2, we have the second crown that we're going to look at for a moment. There's another three. We did the crown of life last week, and here we are. We'll cut in at verse 17 there, and we'll take the context so that we can put it right. Paul says here, uh, the context here is that five years before this, Paul and Silas went down into Thessalonica, a very popular seaside resort today, Salonica, where Many holiday trips go to, well, it was Thessalonica then, and Paul and Silas went down, and five years he's writing his pistol back to them. And those days that he went down, he was three weeks there on a second missionary journey, three Sabbath days, Paul and Silas, and they preached. And they preached in all the fullness and power of the gospel. Acts 17 will give you the count of it, opening and alleging from the scripture that Christ must suffer and die and be buried and rose again. That's good gospel preaching. That's the gospel preaching we heard on Sunday night here when a soul was saved. That's the, that's the gospel preaching we've heard here over the years where scores of souls have been saved. When the gospel's preached in power, God will save souls. And he preached the preach for three full weeks, night and day. And it says that a great multitude of Greeks Turn to the Lord. Now, you notice that. A great multitude of Greeks. And chief women, not a few. The upper escalons of society of the women. There's nobody too hard for God. There's no woman, haughty, totty woman, too hard for God. A multitude of Greeks in three weeks. What a mighty move of revival. And of course the devil always obstructs when there's blessing and he tackled into them and a mob formed and they tried to kill them and they hunted them out and they had to flee. They had to flee. Paul and Silas flew, flew, flew away during the night 40 miles to a place called Berea and they never got back in again. 
And Paul longed to be back and he wanted to be back. And this is where we are at verse 17. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. You know, there's one rendering of that there says that uh, that it was a love that a father had for a dead child, for an orphan. His heart was so grieved that he couldn't get back and he was so longing to see these converts and these people that it was just as if he had lost a child. And then he says this, wherever who would have come unto you in verse 18, even I, Paul, once and again and again, but Satan hindered us. When Satan can't do anything to stop a soul getting saved, and Satan can't do anything to stop a soul getting saved, you know, if that soul wants to get saved, they'll get saved. Satan can't stop them. And I'll tell you something else, he can't stop some of, some, some, some of you for going on with the Lord either, if you want to. If you want to. I had I said very recently to someone, you know, know you were as spiritual as we want to be. And you can blame the devil and you can blame your family and you can blame your health and you can blame this and that, but listen, if you want to go on and to go through with God, you'll go on and go through with him. You are as spiritual as we want to be now. Don't be making excuses. You have a big Bible here and it's full of scripture and it's full of text. You have the Holy Spirit here. And you have all the time in the world if you make it. And you can get down before it with the scriptures and get down with the word and read the word and cry over the word and talk to the Lord and confess your sin and you'll get victory in your life. It's up to you now. What do you want to do? And so the devil tried to hinder. Oh yes, he tried to hinder and he did hinder, but it was off the will of God. And there's times that the devil, the Lord uses the devil. I haven't time to go into what happened, Paul, in the meantime. But the devil hindered and oh, how he can hinder. And if he could hinder and block the road somewhere or another to stop Paul getting back into these converts, he doesn't want to see converts built up. He doesn't want to see converts, uh, converts counseled. He doesn't want them helped. And if he could hinder Paul, the great apostle Paul, if he could hinder him, he can hinder you, and he can hinder me, and he can put roadblocks up for us when we go after souls. Make no mistake about it. But Paul here comes into these last verse here, he says, for what is our hope? He sort of resigned himself to the fact that he wasn't going back into the midst of them. He got at other things for him to do. They were well able probably to look after themselves. There was a mighty revival there in that in Thessalonica. Three weeks of preaching the gospel. Three weeks of powerful preaching. And the Lord moved on men and women in a big way. So he has sort of resigned himself here to the fact that he will not be going back to see them, but he's going to see them. You see, this is what he's saying here. What he's saying, he's longing to see them down here, but he's not going to see them. You may be longing to see somebody down here today and you're not going to see them, but you're going to see them in the glory. And here's what he says in this verse. For what is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? There's a crown of rejoicing now for Paul. 
or crown of rejoicing, are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and our joy. So what is he saying here? He's saying, when I see you in the glory, when I see this great multitude in the glory that came through the preaching of the word, that came on my second missionary journey, although I didn't get down to see you after that, I see you now. Notice what I'm saying now. Notice what he's saying. I see you now. And ye will be my crown, my rejoicing. I'll be rejoicing in glory because of your salvation. Now this crown's called the soul winner's crown. But don't make the mistake that I made in my early ministry to think that this crown is only for pastors, ministers, evangelists, missionaries. It is nothing of the sort. It couldn't be further from the truth. We would like to think that. And you know there's a lot of, and I don't like using the word lay term, lay men or women, but there's a lot of people, a lot of Christians, and they just look to the pulpit and they look to the missionaries and they look to the evangelists. Oh, they're soul winners. I'm not a soul winner. Would you just be very careful now thinking like that? You just consider that. This crown here is for all who by any means is used to bring a soul to heaven. Now that's a wide context. Any means to bring a soul to heaven. There are many links in the chain to a soul coming to save, to be saved. We just put the last link in there on Sunday night, Stephen and I, but there were many links in that chain that led along that girl's life. And there's many links in the chain that leads us to glory, my friend. And so often we set our gaze upon the pulpit and the evangelists and the missionaries and the great men, and, that, and there's a lot of nonsense at times. Because most times they're only putting the last link in the chain. Don't you think that those that put the other links in the chain are not going to get the glory? You see, souls being saved to the Lord is the greatest thing that we could be at. And there's a crown of rejoicing for anybody that has anything to do that will bring a soul out of darkness into light. In your workplace, in your home, some of you, for the last two winters, left the fireside and got home from work early and traveled the distance and come down in here to the prayer meetings. Some of you maybe didn't even feel like praying and you didn't pray, but you said amen. And we prayed and you prayed and we prayed for souls. And as we said amen and prayed for souls, let me tell you, you're a link in the chain. You're a link in the chain. Mother, you're a link in the chain as you bring up your family. You're a link in your chain in that place that you work at. Even you don't speak, you're very witness and testimony. And there's so many different things that attract the unsaved. If we're walking right for the Lord, they will see that there's something in us 
What about the track? What about the CD? What about those that play the music here and those that tape and send them out? We have Maureen with us from Ballyshan tonight. She'll not mind me mentioning her. Bundle of tracks and tapes she takes from this place and brings down into Ballyshannon. And I was born just up the road a bit from Ballyshannon, I can tell you. I never thought that there'd ever be a gospel witness in us. And there's the tracks and there's the tapes and there's the CDs. And every last one of them, my friend, and every track that is read and every witness that is given out, I tell you there'll be a glorious crown. For the soul winner, Billy and Ruth in the shop there, keeping that old shop going there and giving out tracts and books and talking to people when they come in. There's a crown for you, Willie. There's a crown and the glory for any man or woman has anything to do with soul winning. And when we get to the glory, we will be greatly surprised to see who'll be there. When we get to the glory, we'll not be able to believe I prayed for that woman, I sought that woman, I cried for that woman. Just even a cup of cold water and the Lord will honor us. He'll honor us. So when we get to the glory, when we get to the glory, we'll give praise to the Lord. And you will give praise to the Lord too, you praying people, praying for Josh and praying for Holly and praying for whatever we pray for when we come tonight after this meeting, you'll pray for something and others. God hears that prayer and God's answering prayer and God's working. You may not be a preacher, you may not be in the open air, you may never stand in the pulpit and that's no harm. But oh, you have your witness, you have your ministry. You have your corner. And the prayers that went up here and from lockdown started. Listen, when we see Margot in the glory, when we see Donal in the glory, when we see Martin in the glory, when we see Iona in the glory, and young Bobby at 10 years of age, and Aaron and our girl on Sunday night, and many more when we see them in the glory. Paul says, I'll see you. (laughs) Paul's going to know them, isn't he? He's going to see them. Do you want another few scriptures to see the enemy? Do we know one another in heaven? Well, let me give you this so you can look these up after Matthew 8. Jesus says, many shall come from the east and from the west and sit down with Isaac, Jacob, in the kingdom of heaven. Luke 13, in the same context, says not only will they sit down, but they'll see them. Do you think for a moment tonight that you'll see and know and talk to the old patriarchs and sit down in the glory with them and not know your wife? And not know your husband or not know your child? The Bishop of Liverpool, J.C. Ryle, that mighty evangelical man in the last century or the century before, J.C. Ryle says, do you think that we'll be more stupid in heaven than we are down here? We have a new mind, we have a new body, we have a body like unto his glorious body. So you will see your mother again, and you'll know her. 
In Luke 16, Jesus speaks about the rich man in hell. He lifted up his eyes in torments and he saw Abraham and Lazarus, the beggar, in Abraham's bosom and they spoke one to another. He recognized them, even from hell. Oh, that's an awful thought. To think that those in the flames of hell can see into heaven. Those in heaven will not see into hell because of the wood, it wouldn't be heaven. Pray for that boy of yours like you never prayed before. Witness like you never witnessed before. Chant the doors and give out the tracks and live the life like you never lived it before. To snatch souls from hell's fire. Remember David and he had the affair with Bathsheba and the child was born. And the child died, I will go to him. But he will not come to me. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, For now we see through at last darkly, but then face to face. Now I know, listen, but then shall I know even as I am known. Speaking about himself in 2 Corinthians, he says, He says, I knew a man in Christ 14 years ago. Whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. He was caught up to paradise. What he heard and what he saw, he says, was unspeakable. I couldn't get words to mention it. My friend, eye has not seen nor ear has not heard. Neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Now the eye has seen a lot. The eye has seen a lot. We have seen some of the great sights and wonders of the world. And boy, the ears heard some stuff. And things have entered into our hearts. But neither ear or eye has seen or ear heard or entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. I hope you're thirsty for heaven. I hope you're hungry for heaven. I hope you're not content in this old sin-stained, tear-stained, fear-stained world. For it's getting worse by the day. And the worse it gets, you know, it makes us long for home. When you turn on the news and you listen to the news and the tornadoes that are struck away in some part of Texas there and every news bulletin you hear is wars and tornadoes and famines and everything that the Lord said would happen before he would return. It's all happening across the broad acres of earth tonight. 
And it all gives the Christian, a believer, a longing for home to be done with this old world and the things of this world. To be longing for the mansion that God has for us in the sky and to be done with lesser things. No oh, boy said one time, he said, oh, if I, just, I just want a wee shack at the back of heaven. Well, he had a right big shack when he was down here. So he has. Oh, just a wee shack at the back of heaven. That'll not do me. Paul, Peter talks about the abundant entrance into the presence of the Lord. I want to go in abundantly, abundant now. I want to go in excited. I want to go in to see who I'm going to see. Will I see that one that I prayed for? Will I see that one that I preached to? Will they be there? There'll be those, of course, not there whom we thought would be, wouldn't it? May we pray. Listen to John in the close of Revelation. We're going to be done early tonight. Listen to John in the close of Revelation. Here's what he says. Come hither and I will show you the bride and the lamb's wife. And then he says, He showed me a great city, a holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven, having the glory of God. Walls of jasper, twelve gates of pearls, the city streets of pure gold, rivers of crystal, no temple there, no sun there, no moon there, no darkness there, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb was the light thereof. The Lamb is full, blazing light. He doesn't know night or no day. And all darkness and all fear is gone. And every crown of the five crowns, and I hope you're going for every one of them when we all get them, will just, I don't know whether we'll wear them or not, it says that the 12 apostles and the 12 crowns on their head was singing glory to the Lamb. We get them, we cast them at the Saviour's feet. They all belong to him. It all belongs to him. Glory to his name. And he went on to say, all shouting, all shouting, every crown at his feet, and then all shouting, Hallelujah for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. He's in control of all things tonight. Heaven's door is open. The sound of the trumpet will come shortly and we shall enter. Come up hither into my presence. Oh, I'm glad I'm saved tonight. I'm glad I'm on my way to heaven tonight. I'm glad that there's a city and a land that's fairer than day. Glory to God. Let us get hungry and thirsty for heaven. And the more we do and the more we read about it and the more we learn about these no mores, the more we want rid of them all. And the devil and the false prophet and the beast will be burning and turning and churning in the lake of fire. We shall be forever with the Lord. It's worth waiting on, you know. It's worth battling on for. Keep praying for the children. Keep praying for the family. The Lord's moving. There's tears amongst the young people. Those last two people that were saved here wept, wept. An unconsolable one of them. Keep praying. Keep praising. Keep looking to the Lord. Want We want them over there. We don't want the devil to have them any longer. There'll be no more drugs and no more drink and no more murders. No more divorces. 
For the devil will be destroyed, the author of them all. The liar and the father of lies and the murderer from the beginning. Glory to God. We'll be released into complete ecstasy and joy forever and forever. And given praise to the one who loved us and gave himself for us.